When both teams are trying to get the fire to the manager bump, it's that's so MLS. <laughs> yep. A North American Ooh. soccer podcast from myself, Andrew Bates, and Nick Thornton. Hello, hello, hello. Nick, how are you doing this week? I'm doing okay. It's a bit strange to uh, to not see your face and hear your voice sitting directly across from me, but um, you know, this will suffice. This will suffice. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's as if something there's there's been something that's uh, that's that's weighed on me all this season, and I can't <laughs> tell I can't tell what it is. Do you feel and a little lighter? I uh, yeah, I feel. I feel the uh, I feel at least two brothers lighter, um, and and and, and certainly it uh, it's been an interesting time in the Vancouver Whitecaps uh, uh, fandom. Uh, Purple Wednesday came. I, and, I really love that. Came and went. Um, the Caps who who ran into Calvary two years ago in the Canadian Championship, um, and couldn't make it past them and it was embarrassing then too but at the time you know that was the beginning i guess you could say that was the beginning of the whitecaps project cavalry were really great in the league whatever you however you want to 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 talk about it um and it shouldn't be downplayed how good pacific fc was but i had the feeling that there was an energy around this among the hardcore support for for both teams in terms of you know, establishing the relationship between Vancouver and, and Pacific, between, uh, you know, it, it was a really, it's been a weird time for the Whitecaps, and even though they had the win at the weekend, to to get that opportunity to, like, you know, it really felt like there was something at stake um, with, you know, Pacific FC running the, the, um, the contest where they were... Uh, bring in your white caps kit and we'll trade it in for a Pacific kit. Uh, well, I think Pacific FC has like actual business acumen and, and a little bit of <laughs> cleverness to root because they know two things. First of all, the white caps have hemorrhaged fans over the last two seasons. And many of those fans went to the next local, the next closest local club, which was Pacific FC in Victoria and no one in Vancouver can afford to live here anymore, so everyone's moving to Victoria. <laughs> so <laughs> Langford, I feel like which I guess is is Langford pretty easy to get to for Victoria. Yeah, yeah. I actually used to live in Langford, not too far from where Pacific plays now. Um, and I mean, with good old island traffic, it can take a while. But it's I mean, it's like a twenty thirty minute drive from town. So, so there was some expectation uh, heading into this one, and boy, it went poorly for the Whitecaps. Okay, what did you think that ex- whose expectation and what was the expectation? Because I have questions. Well, I think that the expectation, obviously, I mean, like my first experience with the Whitecaps is the I want to say the two thousand nine Canadian Championship mm-hmm. when um, when the Whitecaps beat TFC. You always right, 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 when right. you're the when you're the little brother team or the little sister team you always want to knock one off the uh the the yeah. higher division team when they come by so certainly certainly from that perspective there was always sort of like the high um the high expectations of we're doing really well in the league we want to show our best against the the white caps the from the caps perspective 
we were in the middle of one of sort of the patented Vancouver Whitecaps upswings after a kind of a weird period. Yeah. Where, yeah. you Two know, the Caps, wins. the Caps draw five times in a row and you they're in the position where it's like, well, you either say they're undefeated in five or winless in six. And then yeah. they get the win in Austin. They go... The they go get the win against LAFC at home, which is obviously so vital to the mm-hmm. club. And we we talked about what it meant sort of like emotionally last week, but we also talked about them being very lucky. And yeah, we just know how many times there apparently has been... Axel Schuster was having the same conversation, or at least was listening. <laughs> we have had so many times where there have been doldrums. There have been times where it has seemed like there is no future and no upside for this team. And then they rack off like a hopeful comeback draw or a comeback win. And then you go, yeah. ah, 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 all right, maybe, maybe, maybe we spoke too soon. And then there's another doldrum zone. Yeah, just enough to almost make it into the playoffs. I think the fact that we had been through so many of those, you know, RSL blowing out Vancouver four nothing, like how many, how many really crunching bad losses were there towards the back end of last season, um, mm-hmm. without a result. We talked a little bit about it earlier this year in terms of like what 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 is it? What could it be? It was clear, I think, that the expectation on the Whitecaps from the Whitecaps head office, and I would say from from the 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 fans that are still. <laughs> that are still uh, riding All with six them, of us. Um, was to... Was that... They're nothing less than a win. There's no way that the Whitecaps should have gone in, especially this newer look. Which um, is great, because they won, right? That's... Uh... Uh... <laughs> Do you know what? I didn't watch this game I uh, live. I watched Evangelion uh, <laughs> 3.0 <laughs> plus 1.0 thrice upon a time uh, upon my return. Uh, and then I went back to watch it, and this was somehow um, slightly more psychologically stressing. Yeah. Um, and five two that, was the final result. The thing that surprised me most was that that score flattered the cap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's literally just like two magic <laughs> moments from Ryan Gold, and the rest was shit. Like. Like and and also okay, so it was five two. For some reason in my head I was remembering it is is four three, but it was like Was it? Oh maybe it was. I, yes, I think it was I got three. oh I'm getting a different score line from the weekend mixed up. I apologize. It wasn't that bad, but it was still very bad. No, but here's the thing though, is that it was essentially that bad. Because I heard four three and I was like, Oh my god, how do we how do we could how do how does the same team that somehow holds LAFC to zero goals from open play, um, turn around and, and, and let in four against Pacific. And, you know, they try to, you know, Dahomey scores in, in injury time, but uh, but can't get there. I didn't realize that the Whitecaps were down four, uh, what, 3-1 at one point in this game? Yeah. Yeah. The Caps were down 3-1 and then, uh, and then 4-2. The Caps weren't in it. Beyond after that first after that first like tying goal, it's like like there were there were very little times when when the Caps seemed like they were in contention to win this game against a Canadian Premier League side. 
Well, and it's interesting. I was just brought up the uh, the scoreline and s- seeing in an article a quote from Mark DeSantos that said, "When you when you have a tough time matching that, that being the energy and intensity of Pacific FC, it's tough to win a game like this. The environment was good here. We were very aware of the danger of this game." And I'm reading that and going like, "No, you weren't. Pacific FC expected to win this game. They set themselves up to win this game. And in a contest that like is purely pride points on the line and I'm I'm not trying to knock the Canadian championship but for a team that's struggling in the league and finally getting some results to me this is like a well this is where you play your young players and you give everybody starts that have been waiting and you give them their opportunity and if we lose at least you can say well you know we we wanted to give some opportunities to younger players they get valuable experience playing and I wanted to get knocked out in the first round because I was like, I know the Whitecaps and they cannot multitask. We cannot make a run in the Canadian Championship and make a run for the playoffs. It's not going to happen. You know I have my soft spot for the Canadian Championship. I always want to see you make, I a, know, make and, an attempt at it. And, and I'm not saying we shouldn't, but I'm saying that there's a difference between putting out you know, uh, you're essentially your first team and, and not preparing them for the game properly and not to mention all of those the reason why you shouldn't be putting out your full starting lineup was also just managing minutes they like That's they true. had all, all just played another game and so i think mark dos santos we've seen this a number of times where he rolls the dice but in a kind of like weirdly conservative way that seems to come back and bite him like to me it's far riskier to go put your first team out against a high flying pacific fc side for exactly the reasons that happened because again, like you put out young players who are hungry, they're gonna fight. They're gonna match some of that intensity. Sure, you might still lose three-one. You know, like it—it's it, not a guarantee. But I'm not saying you throw the game. I'm saying you give the opportunity to younger players who are hungry for it. But then again, this has always, I think, been been an issue with the Whitecaps this year under Mark Dos Santos. Is that you know you see people. Um, you see Agbo get loaned out. You see people get that you really think could have stand, uh, stood to like stay around and get minutes. Um, Simon Collin gets loaned out. Like all of the all of the people that in the previous, you know, Theo Bear, Theo Bear. It's like you'd think that these are the people that you want to be, you know bringing through, but they decide they can't get the minutes because they ultimately don't. They're not going to give them any. Well, and this is the perfect example of a game where you think like, okay, well, this would have been your chance to play all of those players, um, but they're not available uh, because you've loaned them out. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it. I mean, end result is the next morning, Mark Dos Santos was with without a job. The end result re- is is it the night of uh, Axel Schuster called Uber Eats and ate burgers until four in the morning, staring into the middle distance. I did not expect that honest of an answer when that press conference was held. He really, they're like, walk us through the process. And he was like, well, I went home. I took a shot. (laughs) Just like actually minute by minute. You're like, oh, okay, well, (laughs) ask a German for step-by-step instructions and you'll get them. Yeah, that was, uh, that was quite the, that was quite the thing. And, 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 um, I mean, that's the same sort of. I mean, that's what, that's the soul searching that you want from that. And it really was just like, you know, the Whitecaps have been, 
just in so many doldrums and you wonder how much worse can it get from this but it really was just a just a shock of a bad result that that um that that got them into this position at the same time um it was RSL that were also losing a coach <laughs> yeah because uh I guess, and, and this is a strange turn of events for me. In the in the the shuffle that brought Seattle Sounders assistant Gonzalo Pineda to Atlanta as its head coach, um, I guess Seattle needed an assistant um, because they also had uh, they also lost somebody else too that was one of their assistants, and uh, and they were able to they were able to get Freddie Juarez, who is the RSL head coach and whose contract was expiring at the end of the year. Um, Felipe Felipe Cardenas of uh, the Athletic reports that Atlanta United paid the out clause on mm-hmm. Freddie. But they paid for Seattle to pay the release clause for Freddie Juarez as a part of the deal bringing Pineda to Atlanta. They said, "Okay, well, you're going to be an assistant coach. We'll go buy you one." Yeah, which is wild to me. It's pretty wild, but, you know, I think it also shows a level of cooperation amongst clubs that we sometimes don't always see. You say cooperation, I say collusion, man. That's too much for me. It's too much? I think. Like, if you were trying to... I don't know. It seems like a business deal. I mean, everyone got what they wanted in the end. If I was the Whitecaps, right, and I was in the same division, if I was the Whitecaps, if I was the Timbers, if if I was competing for a club in in the playoff stakes and um Atlanta or another high spending club wanted my rival's top player and said don't worry we'll go buy you another striker we'll buy you a better striker right but we're not talking about strikers we're talking about assistant coaches i mean how right, much but was I that still buyout think... clause like 15 grand <laughs> well like... that's true but well enough that enough that the seattle needed it as a as a part of the deal you know, like, like I just think that you can't have, especially when I know that Seattle and, and Atlanta don't have that big of a difference of it, but it's like, geez, wouldn't it be nice if one of the the moneyed clubs in MLS funded the Vancouver Whitecaps coaching changes? Maybe we could get better coaches. Sure, I mean, I I see what you're saying. I don't know that that's what's happening here. If but we I could can see if, how that could go, like you, it, it could raise it raises questions for sure. Could we offer? Yes. Could we offer like Christian Dahomey to teams and say like, if you fund us to go get, um, uh, EPL manager, we'll sell you. We'll we'll give you Dahomey. But deals like this do happen with players often, where a, a you know a transfer or a trade is going to be contingent upon something else happening plus cash. Right. I guess it contingent on something else. I don't. Know, I guess it's like it would be different to me. I, I mean. If we, I, th- it's it's the piece about like the the rivalry thing that I get, and and also perhaps sort of signaling to like a we're in MLS we are supposed to have a little bit more uh, even playing field across the teams. So when we're looking at the big spending clubs, kind of like doing a solid or or eating a cost for another big club, it, it certainly does raise some eyebrows as to like, well, is that not the thing we're trying to avoid a little bit? Yeah. It's... But it also seems like a deal where the Sounders are like, well, if 
like we'll let Pineda go, <laughs> but like he's kind of, he's a valuable asset. I mean, he's the assistant coach of the best MLS team right now. Sounders are in a place to negotiate, and I think the Sounders part of the reason why they are the way they are as a club is that they don't let their good pieces go away for nothing. I guess that's um, true. I think they're acknowledging here. They're like, sure, we'll take Freddy Juarez. Great. But also, we're not in a position where like, we're only in a position to need a new assistant coach because you want our current one. Yeah. So, like, here's how you can make it happen. Um, yeah, but I, I, I get I, I think I, I get your point and And I feel like it maybe is a point to watch with a little bit more scrutiny how teams are are wheeling and dealing with each other. Three-way trades are definitely a thing in other leagues, but the addition of release clauses create a situation like this where one of the parties in the three-way trade is very much not uh, <laughs> not not um, in on the deal. Well, and I think that would be the case with RSL, right? It's like yeah. all they got is this like crappy little buyout clause from Freddy Juarez. Now, Freddy Juarez has been struggling to get many results at RSL, and there's a lot of people saying he likely might have been on his way out there anyway, but it still leaves RSL in a powerless position to be, just take the money and immediately need to find a new coach. And they're still waiting for an owner, too. Yes, that's a part that also weighs on the situation. And in that situation, uh, RSL comes to, as they said on social media, meet the step bro. <laughs> um, and... Yep. Uh, and visit and visit uh, Vancouver Whitecaps, and just you know, you can go back and forth. There are some people that say, "Oh well, you know, Dos Santos on 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 CTV said, you know, I leave there with many friends." And there were lots of people who who knew him who went to say, "Well, he's a great football guy," but the fact that this team turned around and turned in a four-one performance against RSL that was quite eye-opening yeah yeah i mean it to get thumped the way they did um i mean i think they knew that this was one that just like they just had to make something happen here um there really was no (laughs) no other i mean maybe not this emphatically but they really needed to go out and have a game I mean, I'll say this. Vancouver looked like they had a spring in their step and certainly played the football that we know they can play at times. But RSL played really, really poorly <laughs> through most of that game. Um, and and so for me, this is still, I think Axel Schuster is probably thinking, I don't necessarily think Sartini's our guy either. I think that the Whitecaps got a good result that they needed to get. And the team has enough pride and professionalism to carry on and make a push for the playoffs. But... I didn't actually... I saw a lot of the attack pieces for the Whitecaps work a lot better, obviously. Mm -hmm. But I didn't didn't quite see a a major shift, except for the fact that I thought Sartini set them up in a much more compact way. And so especially defensively, saw them collapse a little bit more. um, and, And going forward as well, is that they often spread themselves out so much the only choice for a pass really is a back pass. Um, and, and this I felt like was, was much more organized, but it is a little bit alarming that I'm like, really, was it like, is that just the little tweak that's needed? Um, cause even the goal that we did give up, um, and, um, I think it was Metcalf that was ultimately kind of responsible for that one, but you know, it was it 
No, I can't. That remember. was a clearance. That was a clearance that an attempt to clear off the cross, like clear over the crossbar that hit the crossbar and then uh, and then bounced uh, yeah. for a rebound. There was a young defender trying to defend, and I think he got a little burned. And like it happens, right? <laughs> like that's not that's not a a panic moment for me. Um. Also, noting notable thing from this game was that Brian White scored again, meaning his production per minute has now exceeded Lucas Cavallini. And I've had this kind of in the back of my head for a while about, you know, how do you compare these two strikers or is there any point really? Um, we've obviously seen that they, they play well together as well. But with a very, very similar number of minutes, Brian White <laughs> has, has been slightly more productive, but has obviously... Uh, a much cheaper price tag and I'm just curious if you think that Lucas Cavallini if his time as a white cap might be coming under some scrutiny as a, a very expensive piece of the white caps attack that has either been away through injury or international duty which is you know not his fault but also let's face it has not been the most productive striker for us either I'm <laughs> a little defensive I'm a little defensive uh, of Cavallini because I honestly think that that he has not been served by the system. Of course, um, right? Yeah, I don't think that the the like certainly you'd want to see more um, more delivery on some of the chances he's had, but you wanted to see that for a lot of players. And and I am interested to see what I I take your point. Like Brian White is is doing. This is one of the things that we talked about. You know, sign a sign a <laughs> sign a player that is a proof of player in the league and see yeah. what they can do, right? Like, like that's not... Uh, that's that's very positive to me. Um, but I would say that... Um, I would I would really want to see what happens with more results from this player. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, maybe... maybe end of his time as, as the uh, with the Whitecaps is a little bit strong, but I, I mean, in terms of maybe just a bit more scrutiny for if there is more service coming in, is can he get into some of those right places and, and can he finish some of those chances? And uh, I hope I Because hope... certainly he's been, you know, he's been like all of our previous strikers up there is just, <laughs> he gets a few touches on the ball per game because we're not getting him the ball, that's true. Yeah, and it's different. I think it's different. It, 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 the goals that Brian White is getting are also different than the goals that you would accept, expect Cavalini to get, which is he's getting a lot of poachers goals, which are great. That's what you. Yeah. That's exactly what you wanted to do. Um, I think that you're expecting a little bit more, um, a little bit more from Cavalini, sort of like off the, uh, like you know, at his feet. Yeah, to a certain degree. Um, he uh, Dahomey had a great the, that first goal from White was a great effort from Dahomey and it's like that this both of those two goals are like just just the first two goals the first one was an own goal from a Javain Ground corner mm -hmm. and it's just like the Whitecaps just like put the ball in the area very very New York Red Bulls like put the <laughs> from two years ago put the ball in the area and just hope. Just... And and this is the thing like that kind of makes you tear your hair out when you see it working so well because you're like, you could do this literally any time you know. You could have done of the it. Best, one of the <laughs> best, most consistent ways to score a goal in MLS is to just cross the ball as close to the goal as you can 
sort of waist height, maybe a little bit higher, but not much. And how many times do you see balls coming into the box and it's just blown out the other side or flashed so high and so wide that no one's getting on the end of it? They did the same thing. Um, they did the same thing with, with Florian Youngworth got a goal this way. Yeah. Exactly. He never scores. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. He looked like he was having the greatest time out there. He looked like he was having a lot of fun. I'm I'm real glad to pick up that signing. I mean, I I, I get getting him up to speed and everything, but I, I really hope he's got that starting spot as one of our center backs locked in now. I He just brings so much more than than what we've had. So that was a that was an exciting one. There were a, there were a quite a few exciting uh, and interesting little yeah. matches. Uh, this, Where do you want to go next week? in the league? We got let's lots talk, to talk about, about let's talk about Austin. Let's talk about Austin. Let's do it because that was a that was quite the quite the match with with Dallas going up. I want to say five um, one. Yep. With just yep. some um, just the great. Uh, the just sort of like an oddball one on five minutes, dispossessing the keeper and getting one against the run of play. Against what was said against the run of play, but obviously the run would go very much in Dallas's favor. Um, with a goal from Ricardo Pepe, um, Ferrari absolutely just slamming a shot, a block shot. Um, Pepe getting a second one. Obreon uh, recovering. Uh, recovering a, a goal kick that had been headed down by a defender for five. But then, you know, Austin, which had been already had a goal on the board from Cascante in the first half, you get a, uh, you get, uh, got a goal from Fagundes. Uh, and then, and then Ring got the other one, I think. Right? Alex Ring, and they're thinking, maybe we could do something. Not quite. But it was, it was quite the interesting fight back from Austin. It's like, you know, something, it's almost, it feels like almost, in that first, you know, uh, the first year of trying to establish a connection with their audience, it's like we got to do something. We gotta, we yeah. gotta put on something interesting here. And they've got, they've got a hell of a fight, and I and I, I fully applaud that for to know that no matter what, you you're really still gonna look pretty bad. <laughs> like no one's gonna be like, oh, good for Houston. But fans do notice the effort, and it was good to see, especially Fagundes and Ring. You know, they're two senior players. They've got a lot of experience between them, and a lot of people have been saying this about Austin, is for all the experience on the pitch, they have to be able to make a little bit something more out of it. Um, However, that wasn't to be. I mean, it's one of those games where when you see eight goals, you're not exactly thinking, like, wow, one team must have played really well. It, It wasn't. It was great attacking from both sides at points, but just an absolute disaster of a game for for both clubs, really. I mean, Dallas scoring five goals is going to feel good, but I don't think they're going to feel so good about the way they imploded. And and we've seen this from Dallas, is that they, they can get the results, and when they turn on the Jets and Pepe feels like scoring, which is most of the time, luckily, um, they perform really well. But this sort of late implosion as soon as they start to get pressed you know there was a good 10 or so minutes there that Dallas really looked worried and like they didn't know what was happening to them and they were still up by you know two or three goals (laughs) during those moments um but it it was certainly a fun game to watch the back and forth it was of course uh rivalry week so this was a i think one a lot of people were watching with some anticipation and it certainly doesn't didn't disappoint from a entertainment factor 
No. Well, you had five goals in, in Vancouver RSL. You had eight goals in Austin, Dallas, and another rivalry week clash. El Trafico uh, had six goals in it between LAFC and LA Galaxy. I'm just realizing I totally didn't watch this highlight package because well, I remember seeing that somebody was up and it was 3-2 and I was like, ah, oh, cool. And then I saw it ended 3-3 and I'm like, eh, I'm not watching that. Like, was it was that really result? good oh. though. It was really good. Was it? Oh, right. I, I broke that out. I broke that out uh, because I just, I, I broke it out pretty much as soon as I saw a penalty because I'm like, oh, I heard that there was a lot of stuff here. So I'm going to, I'm going to really, oh, right. I'm going to really chew into this and, uh, and, and see what happened. You, the, it's um, the new signing for LA Galaxy. You kind of the 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 goal is the game is really just this interesting um, this interesting match between the two, I guess, newer faces on each side. Um, Havolik, I think, Jovolik, yeah. um, the the new player for Galaxy. Uh, Mario had, had misplayed Hovlich? a ball forward. And the new yeah. Jovolic, and Maybe. the new signing picks it up to uh, to score that first goal on the twentieth minute. Um, you then have the penalty uh, after Arango is hauled down. Uh, he puts it off the post, but is but still scores with it to make it one one. And then you have Brian Rodriguez for the first of two. Um, the. Uh, Amazing solo run with past two defenders after uh, uh, Diego Rossi has saved it uh, point blank uh, to score. You then have uh, Javolic scores again uh, six minutes after that um, with a great finish from a tight angle. And uh, a Palacios rebound falls to Rodriguez again to make it 3-2. So you had these two players really just sort of uh, uh, slug it out with their 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 pair of goals but it is Cabral who got the final goal on 86 minutes to tie it and uh, a shot more or less that fell to Kevin Cabral um, falling more or less to him while he's on the penalty spot um, and really quite the uh, um, quite the performance from the two teams I think that it was quite I think it was entertaining did, I did see, see that Cabral faces. got the uh, the tying goal because I know he's had a, a bit of a time at Galaxy. He's he's looked sharp and he pops up everywhere and certainly gets his shots. But the the shooting itself hasn't been all that good um, until this game. So well done to him. Yeah, and I don't I don't mean to like crap on it. I just there's been a lot of soccer and a lot of games and a lot of life happening. And uh, you know me as a former goalkeeper and defender. I'm like. The high score lines, I'm like, well, I'm going to see a lot of goals, and I'm also going to see a lot of things that frustrate me. Dejan Dejan Jovolic. Jovolic. Okay, good. File that way in our brains. Um, There was also uh, another five-goal game. We were were just – we were given so many – we were given so many shoot – you know, big big scoring affairs – uh, involved Columbus and Cincinnati at the lower.com field. Um, Lucas Celerayan right. on, on 45 minutes with this, you know, just an amazing free kick like he's known to do. Yeah, um, it's like annoyingly consistent that 
as soon as you see like especially when it's either really far out or kind of too close for it to be a really good chance Zellerian standing over the ball you're like oh well he's just gonna score <laughs> and then you think you're gonna be wrong and every damn time it's just alright there you go so you'd be thinking okay you're the home team you scored you're gonna go into halftime in a pretty good spot but then Matarita two, mi- two minutes later has a great shot from outside the box that somehow makes no contact with anyone, anyone and evades the keeper, and you're going in. Uh, you're going in evens. Yeah, yeah. Just a, a, a failure from Columbus to mark the top of the box. I've noticed Columbus is sending a lot of players forward to attack, which is not unusual in MLS. But you, when you commit your wing backs so far up the pitch, you really leave your central defenders wide open and. This is just a, a, a failure of positioning here. And there's no one there to cover that space. There's no one to find Matarita. And he's got all the time in the world to take the shot. It's a great goal and a great shot. But um, a player that I had talked about a long time ago, that his name hasn't popped up recently, Atanga. Um, I really, Isaac Atanga. I really like what I've seen of him um, this season. And he just he has a couple of times where he's dancing through players. This one actually stayed 1-1 for much of the game. Um, it wasn't really a back and forth until later on, but Atanga is able to get through the defenders and scores for Cincinnati around, uh, I think, the 75-minute mark or so, making it 2-1. And then Miguel Berry, the striker from Barcelona, scores twice in two minutes to uh, to put Columbus over the top. Yeah, it it's just... It's really too bad. It's really too bad to see Cincinnati do some things correctly. Um... And and just sort of fall off of it, um, I you know, and I don't want to call it a, a goalkeeper on it, but I mean Kenneth Vermeer, every, almost every single goal was him making the initial save and then spilling it, and and just setting it up a little bit too easily, and and I feel like it's that that hesitancy, and it's like with Cincinnati, it's always like oh if it just this one thing had gone right, then we wouldn't be here. But there's always <laughs> a little mistake or a big mistake there. Um, that's obviously challenging. Um, but important points for Columbus, who, who've really, really been struggling. I mean, I, I've been, obviously from the whole follow the crew thing and save the crew, follow a lot of Columbus crew fan accounts. And people have not been too pleased with this season and the performances that they've been putting on. So it was nice to see them you know, use the pieces that they have and, and grind out a win and, and, and really win an important um, rivalry. And I know people are like, oh, it's Cincinnati. Is it really a rivalry? Yes. People in Ohio care. Yes. Can confirm they care about the rivalry. So good good points for Columbus. Um, yeah, no doubt. Um, th- that's, a, that's a fan base that rightfully has a lot of expectations. Absolutely. And I, I believe for the, the briefest of moments, it looked like, that might be enough to get them into the the play above the playoff line again, but it was not to be because of other results. That's right. Well, I mean, um, Vancouver were briefly uh, <laughs> after all this. Vancouver was briefly in the playoffs. Even Vancouver until, was brief in the playoffs for about two hours <laughs> until Seattle uh, Portland happened. Yep, which was uh, which is the the complete opposite of all this because it, this was a game that was very tight, very tightly contested, um, and uh, but was only uh, but only had a few goals in it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, it was great to see. I know Sebastian Blanco returned before this game, but I sort of herald this as his full return, scoring Sebastian Blanco goals in the <laughs> Sebastian Blanco way. I know I'm not supposed to like either of these teams, but I, I got a lot of time for Sebastian Blanco. I think he's a, a really special player, not just for Portland, but just in the league. Um, so it's great to see him get on the map. And, you know, and Seattle didn't play terribly, and, and they've certainly, again, still got their injury troubles. But um, Felipe Mora... Late, late, late in stoppage time seals the deal. Huge, huge win for Portland um, to get them um, above the playoff line. Scary moment for Eric Williamson, who um, who left on the 12th minute. Um, suffered a serious non-contact knee injury, according to MLSsoccer.com. Shortly after the match kicked off, was subbed out on the 12th minute, which caused him to be stretchered off the field. Uh, Coach Sabarese said that final tests uh, still need to be done but the early indications are worrisome so nobody loves when you're when you're dialed in for a match like that nobody loves to see it and, and um and it was definitely you could see on the timelines a scary moment for lots of people who are watching yeah um, unfortunately i've got an update on that it is the acl um and his left knee oh so no that's the end of his season well that's the uh, what a weird feeling you know to be like oh blanco is finally back from an acl also, tear yeah and then also have that um yeah i think that the story here for me is you know portland obviously needs to get these points to to get themselves back into a a contention situation um but the um seattle had so many chances here they hit the crossbar like five times. Let me count in my notes. I, I, they, Espria was the first for Portland. Was the first one to hit the, the goalpost, and then you got right uh, crossbar. Seattle, Brad Smith over the crossbar. Okay, so that wasn't a crossbar. Seattle one crossbar. Um, Seattle shot off the post. Rowe off the crossbar. Roldan off the corner. I thought I saw a fifth one, but yeah, like four or five corners. They had a lot of pressure um, in that second half. And it's somehow more of it scores? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Well, I mean, we've, we have seen this from Seattle a couple of times this season where they're just looking a little bit sluggish and, and beleaguered. I think there's some tiredness there. Obviously, with injuries, there's, there's players out there that are putting in a lot of minutes. Um However, I don't know how much of that really came into play here. I just felt like something about Seattle just seemed a bit off, but they and they do seem out of sorts when they go down a goal. I mean, we've seen Sounders fight back from all kinds of adversity, but we also know Seattle's game plan is always to score first and then just choke you out of the game. And I I think they there are points where they really struggle when they go down a goal and despite as you said all the chances you know, I think it's a, it puts all the pressure on them. Portland, you know, of course they felt the pressure in a big rivalry game like this, a, a Cascadia tie. But, you know, Portland went out there and expressed themselves. They looked like they had fun. They didn't play a perfect game of soccer, but neither did Seattle, and it was enough to rattle them, apparently. Um, Montreal-Toronto was another of the, the rivalry uh, contests. Noble Akella was sent off. And was I understand you you mentioned that he was fined for leaving the field, not leaving the field. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's because you you were asking me before the show. Somebody got sent off, and I remembered because I saw you also got fined today for not leaving 
the field in a timely fashion. It, it looked to be, uh, it was given as a yellow, then VARD, then deemed a red card, which I think was the correct play. It was a dangerous high boot. Um, and he can't do it. He can't you do it. Can't. I feel like people sometimes get up in arms because they're like, well, it's like it didn't result in an injury. It's like the, it's not supposed to. <laughs> you don't wait. Yeah, you don't and, want you, it to. You don't want it to. That's why you give a red card because it it's play that's not allowed. So, Mihailovic free kick is saved and Samuel Piet scores, what, his second goal for <laughs> yeah. um, for Montreal in, in collecting the rebound. Um, the... Toronto equalized when Achara lays a nice ball forward to Jefferson Saltado, who gets tied up, but finds Achara himself motoring back in for the goal. Um, but then Zachary Brogiard plays it to Torres at the top of the box to get the lead. And then Romel Kyoto is back in a big way. Yeah, well, I, sorry, I was like, is he? And then I just remembered, well, he's not, because he played tonight <laughs> in international against Canada. But, um, yes. Yeah, he's but back and now he's gone again. He's back and now he's gone again. Yeah, he's he's definitely fit like a, a glove there. Um, and, and important points for Montreal and and I think a, a good statement win. This is always an interesting matchup. Um, and Toronto sitting at the bottom of the East with 15 points, which means they're at the bottom of both tables, both conferences. I mean, there's occasionally bits of fight here and there, but... I mean, this just really shows you how important having Greg Vanny was in setting everything up because the wheels have come off. It's it's, the wheels have definitely it's not good, and I'm expecting there's going to be major shakeups at Toronto over the off season because it, it just it really feels like they're a bit naive in in things and thinking that they would just be able to pick up where they left off. It, it's been horrendous. What did you think of DC Philadelphia? Um, I thought this was a good match. Um, DC has sort of quietly, um, and I know DC fans will not like to hear that, but I think sort of quietly climbing up the table and stringing together some really good results. They are just above the playoff line, three points ahead of Columbus and Atlanta. Um, what I liked about this one was, um, it, well, actually, so it's Philadelphia that, kicks this one off because Bedoya opens things up um, by knocking one off of Burnbaum and um, I, I guess you call that an own goal but I, I think Bedoya it, it does come from a Bedoya kick um, so they go up one nothing. but to again see DC fighting back um, and, and again an important rivalry match um, Jordi Reyna draws a penalty kick Ola Kamara converts to make it 1-1 and then starting to see some more confident DC attack um which I don't think we've really seen since the Wayne Rooney era. Um, Julian Gressel crosses a great ball in. Kamara, make, I think, maybe gets a touch on it, but it's Jordi Reyna that runs in and buries that one to make it 2-1. And then Abila snags a ball, makes a run, thinks he's offside, stops, looks over at the assistant referee, doesn't see the flag, carries on, and scores from a very tight angle to make it 3-1. <laughs> um, it was just a great, like, everybody on the field stopped, looked over at the assistant, the flag was still down, he was just onside, and then Abila's like, oh, all right, and then carries on, turns around, and is able to score. I liked seeing a bit of swagger from DC. It's been a while, you know? Like, we've seen when all the pistons are firing how good and devastating their attack can be 
And Philadelphia, I'm sorry, it just feels like watching a team that has sold all their best players and, and that youthful energy. Um, it's not just the departure of Brendan Aronson, I, I don't think, but you know, they just, they don't have much of a spark to them. Um, there's, there's fight at times, but this to me was a game that Philadelphia should have been handling um, quite a bit easier and are starting to make their lives a little bit more difficult. You know, there's teams catching them up, uh, catching up to them in the playoff race. And I, I think they need to get their house in order before things start to get a little bit uh, anxious towards the end of the season. Yeah, because I think we're we're done for windows, right? There's no more. No more windows. We're, we're locked in. Um, a, uh, a team who went up early was Houston. Papa Quico crosses to Karaskia, uh in the first minute of all things. Uh, but then Minnesota playing away manages to get two from who knew. Yeah. Who knew? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sorry. I keep saying the exact same thing. This is being t- getting tired. I'm starting to sound like Taylor Twelman just saying the exact same thing no, over no, and over no. again. Um. I, I thought it was actually a pretty good game from Houston overall. This was another one where crossbars and, and what could have been uh, profiled heavily. <laughs> um, there was, uh, yeah, it was the, the first goal was great. I was going to say Arudi and Fafa Pico combined really, really well in this one and quite a bit. Um, both players are really looking like they've kind of found um, their place in Houston. Um, however, set pieces, not their strong point. Um, that's where Hunu's first goal comes from. And then just flat-footed on a Minnesota break. Hunu's able to get his second from a nice little back heel. Um, you know, I, I felt like the Loons kind of sw- swooped in and, and took this one, but neither side really looked that great, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> there, there, was, there was moments for sure, but I, I think just generally you're seeing the wear and the tear of the season come through in a lot of games. Players have been playing a lot of games. Travel's been a nightmare. They're doing all of this in the middle of a pandemic. It it shows on the pitch, and I think that's okay. Um, but it's certainly notable in some of the games where it's just it's it's just not good. It's not a great game of soccer always. A statement win for Nashville, who goes to Mercedes Benz Stadium, um, home of Kanye West, and uh, scores <laughs> uh, scores in both sets of injury times to get the two win. Yeah. the two one uh, road win. Anyway, anyhow. This was my play of the week uh, in this game, which actually came from Atlanta United. It was when Joseph Martinez missed a shot um, and a a pretty wide open shot, I'll be fair. Um, And I didn't see it initially. I just saw him kicking the goalpost in frustration. And I mean, like, really kicking it. And he turns around and he's ripped his shirt. And I just... (laughs) It's been a while since I've seen such frustration in action in MLS, but I was like, man, uh, so mad he ripped his shirt open is exactly the energy I want from Joseph. That's <laughs> what powers Exactly things. the energy. <laughs> exactly. Unfortunately, it didn't power Atlanta to score any goals. Um, the goals were from Rios and Leal. Um, and Nashville finding ways to get goals and are sitting happily in third in the Eastern Conference, tied with Orlando for points. So, you know, a Nashville side that hasn't always been known for scoring goals has sort of figured that out, um, but maintained their defensive abilities. And, yeah, I mean, it's I'm really excited to see Nashville in the playoffs. 
just underneath Nashville is New York City, who went to uh, conference leaders New England and and got two from Valentine. Or no, they were at home, and they got two from Valentine. That can happen to you. Yeah, kind of disappointing from New England, but I think they'll take this one on the chin and just move on. I don't think it's a, a critical loss to them, but it's worth noting that there's there's moments where they can still be shaky however at four you know they're at 49 points orlando and nashville are at 35 i don't think they're shaking in their boots just yet what 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 happened with the goal in chicago red bull new york oh god i don't really know i know that (laughs) barrich barrich scores and was credited for scoring I he's offside but I think what happens is the ball come for whatever was happening before the play the ball is coming off of Red Bull's defenders or like they well they play at first so therefore Barrich isn't offside even though he's like several yards off what in what would be offside I guess I think <laughs> I don't know I'm sure somebody out there would disagree with all sides of that Ultimately, that goal stood. It came pretty early on. Red Bulls looked really aggressive and pacey, flying down the wings. Chicago really struggled. They really should have come away with something, but there was just no finish from the Red Bulls. Just all their shots just sailing well wide. I think there was a couple of posts, but it, it just it it really wasn't good from the Red Bulls. And I I felt like for the way Chicago played, they probably could have found found a way to win. But hey, Chicago's not going to be upset with. Um, three desperately needed points to lift them off of the basement of the Eastern Conference, too. Absolutely not. Uh, Orlando played Miami, and if you know about anything that happened in that game, uh, write it in an envelope and send yeah. it in a, send it to P.O. Box. We would love to know. <laughs> I watched, I watched the off. highlights. I even watched some of this game, too, and I was like, well, I know how to pass a ball, so I think I'm gonna <laughs> not going to learn anything from this one. Um, another rivalry draw that I thought was a bit more interesting was Colorado sporting Kansas City. Yeah. Rocky Mountain. Love it. That was interesting. The, the two interesting goals. Yeah. And I've heard some rumblings from Colorado Rapids fans being like, I don't know if putting Jonathan Lewis as a striker is really our best option, but he doesn't mind because he scored. Hey, if it works, it works. If it's especially if you're Colorado, I think there's a definitely a large contingent of Rapids fans that are like, look, <laughs> if goals are going in, we don't mess with it, okay? If Jonathan Lewis is our striker, fine. No team deserves a better run right now than, than Colorado does, I feel, after the last couple of seasons that they've had. And, all... they're, and they're playing good football. Like, that's the thing. This isn't just luck. I think this is going to really be the thorn in people's sides in the playoffs is having Colorado Rapids there actually playing quite well and and having the number of a number of of western teams i mean they are sitting in third with 38 points um goals conceded are uh they're only at 20 um Abubakar has really come into his own there and locked things down organized them of course they've added Mark Anthony K Colorado, I guess we can call them a dark horse because of previous seasons, but it's sure not the case of them being underdogs this season. <laughs> um, yeah, this. Uh, it, I think we we definitely are seeing a lot of good things for them. They didn't. Uh, they weren't able to pick up the three points because no. of an amazing <laughs> goal from Johnny Russell. 
Yeah, as I've talked them up, <laughs> it should be noted, right? Yes, they did draw. Pretty, I think, best, my favorite goal of the week. Uh, it's pretty fantastic. I, I thought the foul that resulted in the free kick was a little bit soft, but that's okay. Um, Johnny Russell stood, still did Johnny Russell things, um, and it was certainly good for them. I actually felt like the Rapids could have made this one um, 3-1, but they just had two epic sitters that they completely fanned on. I think Cole, Cole Bassett had one, and I forget who had the other. But Well, um, as you're... As you're moving your way up in the table, those are the chances you have to take. They are, but again, you know they're they're in a good position. I I still think defensively they look really solid. Sporting Kansas City is a good team. We know what they can bring, and we saw plenty of it on display. Shalloway was causing all sorts of problems, um, and it's not surprising that they are pretty damn close in the table as well. An almost afterthought to me. Um... This week, as I was getting back from my, uh, you know, the the gold medal tour, yeah, as uh, we talked about it, uh, the 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 BC tour was the all star, um, was the all star game, the all star, yeah, break. yeah. Um, we've talked a little bit. I don't love the all star game. I've I've the the previous format of playing friendlies against European teams that are barely yeah. trying just yeah. doesn't doesn't work particularly well for me, and I felt that. Um, this was way more fun, I think. Okay, this... yeah. Like, I, I agree with every point that you've made. I, I thought moving it to be East versus West was kind of a, a fun idea. And, like, this was really fucking fun. It was great. This I have... is the, with the, with the, the MLS versus Liga MX stars. Yeah. And at first I thought the skills challenge thing that they had the night before, I was like, this is long. Like, this is a lot of programming. Um, unfortunately, also largely narrated by Alexi Lawless. So I watched a lot of it on mute. But it was good programming. And um, I think it ended up being a 3-2... Um, oh, sorry. I'm looking at the result of the game. Um, so MLS All-Stars... All-Stars led Liga MX through most of the skills challenge until the very end. And Liga MX took took it back from them and, and won the skills challenge. But it was kind of an interesting setup for the game because the MLS All-Stars were really in control for a lot of it. And actually, through much of the through many of the different skills challenges, like nailing them, like blowing Liga MX out of the water. And so I thought it, it it certainly raised some interesting questions for me of like, oh, well, this game might actually be kind of interesting. And it was a great game of soccer. It had intensity. Both teams were trying. I thought there was good um, competitiveness to it. It was still friendly. Like, it didn't feel like there was a ton of animosity, but there was certainly... Which is a, which is a great vibe. Totally. That makes for such a good soccer game. Like, players are are out there to play great soccer, but they, they're also going to pull back from some of those, you know, potentially dangerous challenges. But I still felt it was a physical game of soccer. And, like, both teams wanted it. Um, Diego Rossi is cleared off the line by Jorge Sanchez. I mean, like, how many how many friendlies do you see a clearance off the line? Yeah. Yeah. Like, brilliant displays across the pitch from both teams. Um and it went to penalties like <laughs> and legitimately went to like it didn't go to penalties cuz both teams weren't really trying to win it legitimately was a pretty close battle that had to go to pk's here's um, the thing that i find interesting so the second goal is from 
Jesus Murillo of LAFC, who, yeah. uh, who got a, a header off the corner. Is it? And I only watched the highlights of both the skill contest, but the all-star game. But like you, I think it had an interesting setup because of two things that happened in the skill contest, which is that the crossbar tiebreaker was from Jonathan Rodriguez of Toluca. Yeah. Was like the, was in that, like hit the crossbar game first to, first to 25, which I think was what put them over the top. Yeah. And he's the guy that scores the goal for Liga MX. Yeah. But then also they have this crossbar. Um, they have this, um, crosses into the box game mm-hmm. that they're doing where you, you're, um, you're going one on. You're sending crosses into the box to a striker who goes one on one with the keeper after the results, and I think it was Matt Turner who got, um, who got beat in that game by at least one of the shooters that he saved and was hot about it, and yeah. he goes into this this he goes into this shootout and makes two saves, huge performance. His name is the MVP of the game, um, and, uh, and and gets the win for MLS. And Matt, like Matt Turner, I mean, we all love to see Matt Turner happy. There's just no greater sight in football. Like I was watching it and my partner, Laura, walked by and she was like, who's that happy guy? And I'm like, that's Matt fucking Turner. He's real happy right now. She's like, I love how happy he looks. And I'm like, I know. Um, He stood on his head. He had such an amazing performance in this. And it certainly paid off as well as he made his debut tonight. Uh, Not his debut, sorry. Is it his debut? Yes, it is his debut with the U.S. men's soccer Um, against Salvador. El Salvador. I thought he was in. I thought we had heard about him in a a shootout. I thought he had a, a second notable shootout. But maybe there. Maybe we're I, just you know. I thinking think I'm about just the... overinflating it, and I'm excited that he got the start. Oh yeah, Matt Turner's Matt, Matt Turner has had a big summer um, for New England, and I think that he's definitely turning heads on the national scene for sure. Absolutely. And the thing that capped this All Star game off for me that really just was like this was the perfect game of soccer to watch was Ricardo Pepe scores his PK to win the whole thing by Downski. And Pepe is so hot right now. He's so hot right now, and it's even better because if Nani steps up, and I wish I'd recorded it, but my partner was beside me, and I said, okay, Nani's either going to score a totally absurd penalty kick or he is going to miss. <laughs> <laughs> and like as I said the word miss, the ball left his foot, and I was like, ooh. So That's... to see like Nani miss a PK, and then the 17-year-old, I think 18-year-old now, but Ricardo Pepe steps up and just drills this down off the bar like he's been practicing this every day of his life um, to to win it for MLS All-Stars, I thought was great. And it was and it was great to see the, like, again, at the end, there was actual disappointment, but also a lot of, I think, respect shown for each other in, in this game. Who knew? I watched this fully ready to be completely cynical about the whole thing. I have no notes. It was entertaining as hell. Yeah. Um, I, I had a great, I had a great time with it. Still like really amused by the spectacle of having fan bases try to vote their players out of the game. Um, so that nobody gets injured. Yeah. Uh, amused. You know, I think it's still nonsense that Tejon Buchanan had to sit a suspension for not being able to make it when he was, when he was, in Europe trying to um, finish his move to Club Bruges. Yep. Um, but ultimately, I mean, like, I think that it was a much better 
this is the a much better game, and this is the kind of collaboration that I want between the two leagues more than any kind of a merger or any kind of like additional competitions. I want to see like like you said that kind of competitive but fun vibe yeah. that that introduces that really breaks down the wall between the two fan bases. I don't need these leagues to merge, but I would love to have everything sort of work in a, a situation where, you know, where English language, North America, English language, U S and Canadian fans knew more about what was happening in Liga MX and that everything could work together as a coherent scene, as opposed to sort of like this big clash every time teams from the two leagues fought. Yeah. Agreed. Um, also, uh, World Cup qualifying started. We talked a little bit about Canada versus uh, Honduras was today. That mm-hmm. was quite the one one quite the game. A one one draw at BMO Field. Um, Two PKs. <clears throat> electric atmosphere. Yeah. Extremely Concacaf. This is a, <laughs> this game was as Concacaf as it gets. Two penalty kicks. You could have said that Canada could have had a penalty kick ten minutes before the one they got. Um, the a a Honduras. The, the the scorer of the, the Honduras penalty kick um, hurt his hamstring at, like while taking the kick slash immediately after the taking the kick and had to be uh, taken out. Perfect. Um, you just had so many little um, so many little weird things that happened. Uh, a fan went after Donnell Henry. Um... Mm-hmm. This was a, this was this this had a this had a real you know a real tight feeling to it. Hmm. Let me find let me find you the information about that Daniel Henry thing. Um, Adam Jenkins of One Soccer reports eighty one first minute. Meanwhile, a Honduran fan who has been going at Daniel Henry just ran at him in the stands. Henry wasn't backing down. Security has swarmed him. Cavallini had a few words for the fan as well. Right now, it's probably just adios as the fan is ejected. Hmm. People are in a strange way, my friend. <laughs> Holy crap! People were people were quite ready to they 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 wanted to feast on the football with this one. Yeah, apparently. Well, that's unfortunate. I mean. I would say it's not a great result, but then U.S. also got a not great result. So. Yeah, that was a zero-zero tie with uh, with El Salvador. You would have wanted oh. to see Canada get land some of their chances because there were a, a couple good ones. It was much was made of the fact that that this game was on Canadian national television, um, which it hasn't been since they've moved to this streaming service. Uh, I liked that. I hope that future games that are done in this way have Sportsnet commentary because uh, I think that if we want to present a good product, there has to be, I think, better commentary. <laughs> yeah, plain and simple. I mean, I, I really... I think there's so many opportunities for... I mean, obviously, there's lots of interested parties and some less so interested, but just so many opportunities to to do something with Canadian soccer here and and somebody's going to be an early adopter and others are going to lose out but there's there's just a lot of of sort of you know homerish calls and 
you know, I cringe every time Canada, the Canadian people as a whole, are addressed directly on commentary. Yeah. I just yeah. don't I just don't love it. Um, I don't love commentators telling me how I should feel about a thing or what it means to me. This happens every single time I turn on one soccer. Somebody is telling me that the naysayers just don't understand, man, and you have to go tell people that good things are happening with Canadian soccer. And and it well it's manufactured like heightened drama where it I mean and it is like the Alexi Lalas school of commentating where you just shout everything and you just m- emphasize completely banal points like this is his first start since April and you're like okay <laughs> so all right that's just a fact like that's why do you feel so emotional about it? and it's like no ball has been kicked he's not even on the pitch yet like they're still singing the anthems it's like why, why are you shouting this like it's the secret to the universe just tell me some information you know you can be animated and have some life in your voice without screaming everything or contriving this heightened atmosphere that's not there or or maybe is there but like then don't you don't need to manufacture it oh also uh one other thing that happened in the game is that steven victoria got a yellow for trying to kick the ball out of the goalkeeper's hands like pry it out of the goalkeeper's hands with his foot (laughs) Okay, well, I just had the game, um, <laughs> like, timeline up, and his yellow card just said other reason, and I was like, hmm, that's weird. <laughs> I just didn't think about it again until you said that. Like, what? What? what's an other reason? <laughs> I gave him a yellow for some other reason. <laughs> just, just the yellow card is for you can't do that. Yeah, just, I don't know. I don't even know if it's a rule, but I don't like it, son. Um, other news... In the in the wonderful world of North American soccer, um, Jamie Vardy's Rochester Rhinos, who have been on a on a hiatus, are being renamed Rochester New York FC. That's stupid. I hate it. Yeah, I hate it too. I mean, like I know that they were gone for a while. Like they they could be they could be just as just as much folded and replaced by something else. But um, the Rhinos. The Rhinos have been around as long as I've been interested in in North American soccer. They were, you know, rivals of the Whitecaps um, when I first started following the Whitecaps. They they've got the history to it, and also it's just so much more, so much better to me than than it's. Well, yeah, it's just more fun. Like, why everything is so like everybody's trying to be like everybody. We've talked about this with rebrands, like everybody's like we're gonna be unique, so we're gonna put FC, and you're like, like no opposite thing they want rhinos is cool they want to chase a global brand to me and and i've said this before about like you know rebrands for logos and rebrands for jerseys or whatever the number one thing that you need is to be cool in your own market like yeah like i'm sure that the amount of of focus that um that you know, forward Madison or or San Diego Loyal get like 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 it's possible to draw buzz as a lower division team. <laughs> La uh, L- Las Vegas Lights for putting hot dubs on the yeah. sidelines. Uh, forward Madison and also Lamas. have a new uh, a new um, they have a new jersey where if you're wearing the jersey anywhere around the world, you can scan a QR code that's on the jersey to buy somebody at the forward Madison stadium a beer. 
<laughs> like you just pay yeah, for it and see, they put something on the board and, and the next person and this to is, buy a beer gets one for free. The like brilliant sort of um, like just irony of marketing is that people who chase the thing that is like, oh, well, it, this is really hot right now. or We've got to do this because everyone else is doing it is, is the exact opposite of what you should do in most cases especially with something like this that it's like it's not a science people just like what they like people like dumb shit you know like <laughs> i'm not saying that everything should be a completely ridiculous name but this chasing of this weird idea of what professionalism is also has just kind of like really taken a lot of the fun out of certain things now i mean i'm not trying to overinflate the importance of the name of the rochester rhinos Clearly, like, rhinos might have referred to something at one time, might have made sense, and they've just stuck with it. But again, like, that can become part of your identity. There's opportunities there. What's the opportunity with Rochester, New York? And it's always some boneheaded, like, PR statement. It's like, well, we really want to identify with the fans, and and the, the home market people know this place is New York, so we better put New York in the title in case they forget. Like, that's not how people think. No. You need to have... <laughs> You, they People know where have, they live. If you're named, if your team name doesn't have the place where they live in it, they want to try part and brand as a New York team, even despite the fact that it's you know Western New York. And yeah, the thing that I just wonder, I don't know if it's if it's you know they're trying to get a TV deal or what. It just feels like, what does any of this matter to selling tickets? To me, exactly. that's the most important thing for a lower division team is to form as as nice as nice as all those things are. I talked about before Madison QR codes and whatnot. The the I can't imagine what's more important than building a relationship with the fans in your market. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, because I think I think people get get greedy and and they think well if we sell you know even 100,000 jerseys overseas, that's more money than we're going to make off of ticket sales at a rinky-dink stadium. Which is fine, but, like, you don't have to sacrifice one for the other. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm making too much out of it. We're, we're cynical on this point. Some weird... Uh, Congratulations, Jamie Vardy, but the obvious choice was the Rochester Vardys. Some weird stuff happening in at NWSL where uh, head coach Christy Hawley has been fired for racing Louisville. Uh, for what EVP James O'Connor says uh, was a need to quote protect the culture within the club um, hmm. there was quite the quote in this story from WLK, WLKY I'm looking I'm trying to find the 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 story from from uh, Dwight Woodson who says uh, James O'Connor says um, okay, so he says one of the big reasons is to protect the culture surrounding the club. He says it's a gray area when asked if Holly's termination was because of something illegal. Quote, I don't know whether I say illegal. I don't know. That's a subjective viewpoint, if you like, depending on who's asking and different people. I plead the fifth. I'll take the attorney line on that. What the? Mm, you, don't love that. You couldn't make this feel... The, the strange... just, just so folks at home are aware, the law is not <laughs> subjective. <laughs> the strange, I mean, of course, it is, uh, but... the strange, 
you know, atmosphere around this. Um, only, uh, uh, only intensified when the NWSL announced that it had, uh, it had fined Angel City FC, the new uh, team in L- in uh, Los Angeles, for uh, find them for announcing the uh, the the signing of Kristen Press, who was coming too early before the deal was approved. Uh, Press had gone to Manchester United and was coming back, and they needed to do a deal with Utah, who still had Press's rights, I think, mm-hmm. um, in order to get her in. And NWSL fined them for jumping the gun on the announcement, which they had, like, big ads downtown and stuff yeah. like that. They really tried to go go ham on it. And if you are in the comments, um, people are, first of all, pointing out that NWSL themselves tweeted about this. Um, after after the news was made, and also just being like, you can't uh, you can't talk about what happened with you. you you're not going to do anything to address what happened with Christy Holly, and then you're going to do this. So the fan base, the fan base has a sniff of something. Um, yeah, that that they're going to need answers, and I think that they deserve yeah, answers. That feels like a story that is not done for sure. Uh, the other thing I had on my list is that it looks like um, uh, LAFC are more or less uh, decided that they're going to sell Diego Rossi to Fenerbahce. Yeah, or loan uh, him, it is least. a lo- it's a loan deal, but I think uh, everything I've read seems to indicate it's a loan with an option to buy that most people assume will be um, a thing that occurs. <laughs> um, Not the only time it, we've it, seen a deal like that in this uh, in this window. No, and and I I just I wonder how much of it is just the overall transfer market that's affecting that a little bit of teams really wanting to to try a player out a little bit more before fully committing. Um, you'd think with Diego Rossi, it's a pretty open and shut case, but maybe LAFC. I don't know LAFC. Everything that they've released, they were like, this has always been part of the plan. We're happy for Diego, so they sound very much like they're moving past the player. Um, However, for whatever reason, it's starting out as a loan. But I, I think we can safely assi- assume Diego Rossi is his time at LAFC is more or less done. More or less. Um, and and that'll be that'll be sad. I mean, we, we would have been interested to see more of him. It's been almost interesting that with all of this this talk about him that it almost has seemed a certain amount of frustration in terms of close chances. But you can't judge anything off of a couple of little results. Um, he's going to do great at Fenerbahce. Absolutely. And, you know, it, as much as it sucks to see a, a really high-class, high-caliber M- young MLS player leave the league, this was always part of the plan. I mean, we thought he was going to leave last season. So to get another season out of him, I, I think, is good. But it obviously leaves another big hole at LAFC, and it would be different if things were going differently for them. <laughs> but you got to feel as an LAFC fan, this is not, even though it's not surprising news, certainly not welcome. And a lot of people starting to think probably like, okay, so often injured Vela, uh, no more Diego Rossi, no more Mark Anthony K. Like, what's what's coming in here to plug some of these holes? And, they, you know, LAFC made a few moves but they they didn't they haven't been too crazy on the spending so uh it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with LAFC over the course of of this season they are currently 11th in the Western Conference below they're, uh, they're going to need a lot from uh going to need a lot from Brian Rodriguez 
Yeah. I also missed that NYF- NYCFC loaned Mitrita to uh, Alexandra Mitrita to uh, Greek side P-A-O-K Palk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a that was a bit of a head scratcher <laughs> for me, but uh, I don't know. Who knows what's going on in the market or what teams are wanting to do? But I, I just feel like there is maybe it's because it's been a lot of young players, and I like to see them develop in MLS. Just feels like a lot of MLS's best players are, are heading out the door to European clubs, which although great for them and for the national teams, um. It's always sort of a bummer, you know? You're like, oh, Diego Rossi. Like, I don't want to see him playing against Vancouver that often. <laughs> I do. And en- who doesn't enjoy watching Diego Rossi play? So, Mitrita had been on loan in Saudi Arabia since October. And they, apparently yeah. that was about to end. And now they're, they're loaning him out again. That seems... I mean, like, the answer to why was Rossi loaned and not sold, I think, is just if you're looking at a team like Barcelona right now that's desperately trying to offload players because they can't afford any... I feel like that yeah. might just be something where it's like uh, a team can say, you know, if they some if somehow between now and the end of the next season they end up bankrupt, they could be like, well, he's your responsibility. Um, yeah. And but this, I would assume that something like this would be uh, City Football Group, or with with Mitrita would be City Football Group just keeping somebody on the books, even if they're yeah. not going to. Even if they're not going to, you know, if the player wants to play in Europe or if the player wants to play elsewhere, um, to be able to have that player somewhere in the organization in case they think that um, they can be a use in one of the other teams. Yeah, which is not my favorite way of doing things, but... Nope! You know, I get it. <laughs> if, if you're allowed to do it, I understand why you'd want to do it that way. Yeah. And Usleberries, um... Until next time, where can we find you online? You can find me online on Twitter at TeamBates, www.team-baits.com. You can also find um, in September uh, 11th and 12th at uh, Canada Game Stadium in St. John. I'm doing stadium announcing for uh, the upcoming UMB St. John um, ACAA soccer season. Hell yeah. Nice job. It'll be nice. Where can we find you? Uh, it, online <laughs> and on my couch. Um, <laughs> online on Twitter and Instagram at That's So MLS. You can find this podcast at thatsomls.com on Apple Podcasts and wherever you get your podcasts. Just a friendly reminder if you uh, rate, review, and subscribe, that helps us reach more people and we appreciate it. We sure do. Until next time. Don't come flying in with a high boot because you will get sent off eventually. Don't do it.